Welcome to After the Glory on Podclips. The elite athlete knows that his or her time in the spotlight and on a national stage will be no more than a small fraction of a lifetime. What has he done to prepare for the rest of his life? Is she ready to meet the challenges that lie ahead once her playing days are over? Two UCLA graduates from different generations and with an insider's knowledge introduce you to some of the greatest athletes of this or any generation as they talk about life after the glory. Lucy Singh is the founder of Resiliency, offering life and resilience coaching to athletes as they leave behind the field of play. Gary Stern is a Southern California consumer attorney and mediator and a veteran of multiple baseball fantasy camps where he was coached by some of the game's elite players who know what real life is all about once their playing days were over. And now, here's Lucy and Gary. Welcome to After the Glory. Gary Stern here with Lucy Singh, and we are privileged to have with us today Dr. Mark Stevens. Today we take a detour from our interviews directly with elite athletes to talk to somebody who has spent a life working with elite athletes on the challenges they face both on and off the field. Dr. Stevens is presently a professor of education at California State University at Northridge, but spent many years as a director of counseling at USC and then uh, assistant Director of Counseling at USC and then the Director of Counseling at Cal State Northridge. Uh, he's had a distinguished career, has written books in the area of men and masculinity, and uh, Dr. Stevens happens to be a friend of mine and now of Lucy. Mark, welcome to After the Glory. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Lucy. It's good to, uh, it's good to be here during these uh Strange times. Um, I was. I've been looking forward to the interview with the both of you, and have appreciated all that you that you've brought uh, to your podcast. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Mark, let's go back. Uh, the the a life's work obviously has a a beginning, uh, and 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 how did you find yourself uh, getting into work in both psychology and then specifically uh, men's work and working with uh, elite athletes? We don't have enough time to go into all the details, um, but I will say that fortunately, my, my boyhood was, was was absolutely fantastic when it came to to sports, and it wasn't pushing by my father. It wasn't pushing any kind of pressure that I had to be to get involved in sports. But it just happened to be I grew up in North Hollywood, and in the fifties, and there was a bunch of boys my age on the block and we just started to play with one another I mean when we played with one another sports we were playing basketball and football and baseball from 8 o'clock in the morning until it got dark until our parents pulled us into the house so I started with a very fond you know just experiences of, of playing sports and if you play enough sports um, over time you you start to develop some some skills, and uh, so I became very fond of, of playing sports. I loved it. My my athleticism got better, and I really identified myself as a as an athlete. I wouldn't consider myself an elite athlete. I played in high school, and and then I played 
after on a more intramural and, and a regular basis. But sport has always been a very important part um, of my life. And uh, in terms of being a psychologist, I, I, I went into psychology not knowing that I was really going to partially focus in on men's issues or on sports psychology, but things just started to open up. I was going to graduate school in the mid-'70s, and um, uh, in terms of sports psychology, I took a class, and I said, I really like this, this work, and I realized that what I would do as an athlete, that my mindset was just so, so important. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back on how I played and, and how I prepared, um, I... I decided that, you know, I want to give this a, a shot. I want to be able to talk with with uh, with athletes. And, and fortunately, I was doing my postdoc at University of San Diego, and uh, I met some of the coaches and said, hey, would you like to, this was in 1982, would you like to do some sports psychology? Because it was starting to really emerge uh, in that in that time. Do you have a kind of a favorite story uh, early on about uh, sports <laughs> psychology and maybe something that influenced you greatly uh, at that time? Well, I've got a funny story. So, you know, I, I was also trained as a psychologist to do what was called guided imagery. It's probably used now as more mindfulness. And so I was um, trained to do guided imagery, which basically is people, you, you take them through something that they're going to experience and you help them see it in the way that they would perform best or, or to feel it in the way that they would perform the best. So here's my, I get a chuckle out of this, Gary and Lucy, is that if I get the, um, the, the swim coach, says, hey, Mark, we've got a big meet coming up. We you come and, and do a little pet talk for our, our, um, for our athletes, our women and, and male swimmers. And um, I think they were going into some kind of uh, playoff events or something like that. So I said, sure. So I take them through, and I do the guided imagery, and they get really worked up, and they get, you know, it was, it was, it was a really good feeling. So they go to their event. And uh, the coach calls me, and, and I start to, to laugh a little bit, but also felt a little bad. He says, Mark, you did an amazing, amazing job with them. They were so fired up. The only problem is they are on most of their beginning splits, but they went out way too fast, and they died at the end, many of the swimmers. So I learned from that in terms of <laughs> you've got to be able to moderate your 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 pep talk so i you know i i i think about that experience i smile about it i i probably wasn't smiling as much as i am right now but i learned so that's one of my kind of favorite uh working with elite um athletes as a sports psychologist i um, i got my first job at ohio state university as a psychologist in the counseling services and they saw on my resume that i had worked with uh, athletes uh, at University of San Diego. I continued to work with the athletes there. I worked with the tennis team and some others. And what was quite um, interesting, they saw that, they go, you know, I think we need somebody to work with our with our athletes at Ohio State. And as you probably know, Ohio State is a 
big time athletic school. So uh, I met the doctor, the head trainer, and and met some other people, and they started to refer um, their athletes to me, not necessarily for performance enhancement, but they were seeing that their athletes were dealing with outside issues, and whether it was depression, family issues, um, academic issues that were causing anxiety, or some of them were having positive marijuana tests, and they would refer me. So that's where I really got a good grounding in working with elite athletes, working with their coaches, and that that sort of was the foundation for, um, in in many ways, a, a, a thicker foundation for my career working with uh, elite athletes, both in high school and college, and then professionally uh, as well. So after this break, we'll ask Mark to share a little more about how you build rapport with elite athletes, being someone that's not necessarily on the field or in the gym with them. Have you ever wanted to experience the thrill of playing spring training baseball with some of the game's legends? At LADABC, we believe you should be able to live your dream of being a pro baseball player, and now you can. The LADABC Adult Baseball Camp is an independently owned and operated fantasy camp for men and women over the age of 30. As an independent camp, you can be a fan of any team from any city and you'll feel right at home with us. Our next camp is scheduled for November 7th through the 13th, 2021, and will be held at the historic Dodgertown Complex in Vero Beach, Florida, now known as the Jackie Robinson Training Complex. You'll play ball all week long on the best practice fields in the nation. You'll enjoy use of state-of-the-art facilities and you'll be pampered and cared for just like a major leaguer. We invite you to visit our website and sign up for our November 2021 camp. Just go to www.ladabc.com. That's ladabc.com. Thinking about a new or used car? Think Infinity of Thousand Oaks. We've been serving Thousand Oaks in Southern California for years. We have new, used, and certified pre-owned Infinity vehicles available now with many special offers. There's something for everyone. Infinity of Thousand Oaks is your home for the best deals on Infinity cars. With the COVID pandemic, we offer contactless sales. Call our sales office at 805-262-7442 or visit infinityofthousandoaks.com. Pick out a vehicle and we'll deliver it to your home or office with all the paperwork done with the power of the internet. Our award-winning sales and service team is waiting to give you the best service in buying a vehicle you've ever had. Call us today at 805-262-7442 and make an appointment for your new 2020 Infinity or visit our website at infinityofthousandoaks.com. And we're back on After the Glory with Gary Stern, Lucy Sang, and Dr. Mark Stevens. Mark, tell us more about what it takes to build rapport with elite athletes, given you and I may not be elite athletes ourselves. Getting to know the athletic culture was really and I knew a little bit about college athletic culture. I, I knew a lot about high school athletic culture, but it's up a considerable notch, many notches, I should say, from high school to, to college. So one of the first things is I needed to get to know what the athletic culture was like, what it felt like for the athletes in so many different areas, whether it was what's it like to be with your teammates, What's, the, what's your schedule like? What kind of pressures do you feel from your coaches? What kind of pressure do you feel academically um, 
because being a college athlete is a, is a full-time job. And then you have to add on to that academics, which is another full-time job. And then these are young men and young women who have social lives as well and wanting to date and, and wanting to stay in touch with friends and having fun. It's not just all work, work, work. So I wanted to get to know what their culture was was like. And that was one of the, the best ways I found to, to build rapport with the athletes is not just focus in on their sport, but also look at them as a holistic being. One of the things that I discovered with college athletes, with the elite college athletes, particularly ones where it's a high sporting profile, basketball, baseball, football, um, is that these young men and women uh, oftentimes have been identified very early on in their athletic career to be as early as grammar school or, or junior high and most definitely in, in high school, that they start to get treated differently by their coaches, by others, and they almost, what I use the word is that they become objectified. They they aren't treated as full human beings. They're just sort of seen for their athletic uh, abilities and oftentimes can be taken advantage of because of, of that. And then there's a lot of pressure that they start to feel as athletes uh, around what adults are asking them to do. So I, I try to stay away from just seeing them as a this elite athlete that's well-built, that's well-conditioned. Um, I want to get to know them as a human being because, in essence, that's who they are, and that's who they're going to have to be after their career is over as well. And I want them to be able to identify themselves as, a, as their full human being as well and not just the sort of athlete that's out there to perform, that's out there to please their coach, that's out there to get awards, that's out there to make money because of their their athletic abilities there's so much more to these young men and women so when i'm in the room with them i want them to to be able to sort of shed their uniform so to speak and be in the room with them as as a as another human being so mark clearly this work is not done alone can you tell us who are some of your you know, best collaborators, who, who, what type of people work with you on this work with our athletes off the field? Well, in, in college ath- athletics, there's a, there's a big team there. So you've got coaches and you've got trainers and you've got professors and you've got um, specialists for weightlifting. They've got so many specialists for their academics and they're followed quite a bit. They're in many ways micromanaged a lot so there's a lot of different players around and my job is to build a relationship with a variety of people that get to know the athletes so that when they see something they might refer the athletes for counseling what I found is is that probably the athletes have the best relationship with their physical therapist that's where they seem to be able to open up the most or their strength conditioning where they would open up the most Oftentimes, the athletes had to hide things from the coaches. They, you know, they didn't want to lose their playing time. They didn't want their coaches to be mad at them. So they had to act a certain way. So my job was to get to know a variety of people that would get to know the athletes. And then when they saw something, they would be able to make a referral and say, hey, I know this guy. 
one of the interesting stories is I continued to play basketball up until I was 40 years old. I played a lot, you know, three, four, five times a week. And one of the games I was in when I played at USC was a noontime basketball game with coaches and and uh, people in the athletic department at, at USC. So they got to know me as an athlete. They became very comfortable with me, um, and so they were able to refer their students to me in, in a very easy type of, of way. So that's the kind of collaboration that it takes. Sometimes it means getting involved with their, their folks, with their parents, um, and some of the pressure that they may feel there with their, with their parents. Um, but keeping this in mind, I'm a, I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm a licensed psychologist. So I needed to have confidentiality. And my students that I was seeing, the student athletes that I was seeing, they needed to know I, that they had the ultimate confidence in me in terms of not sharing with their coaches or other people what was going on for them. That was probably one of the biggest challenges. Even though they knew there's this legal stuff, they just didn't want their coaches and others to know. Uh, another funny story is, you know, coaches would sort of stretch the limits. And, you know, I would tell them over and over again, Coach, I can't tell you if your student athlete is coming in or what they're talking about or how they're doing. And, you know, they would just push the limits. So I would see a coach on campus, and he would go, they call me Doc. they go, hey, Doc, come over here. Come over here. I want to ask you something. I know you can't reveal anything, but can you at least tell me if so-and-so is coming in for counseling? I go, Coach, I can't even tell you that. That would break confidentiality. You know, they, they had an investment in these players. They care about these players deeply, and they also care about their, the players' performance, and they want them to do, to do well. And there's many people that rely on the success of the elite athletes. And the elite athlete feels that. They know that. I mean, sometimes coaches' jobs are on the line, depending on how well their, their athletes uh, do. We are with Dr. Mark Stevens, a 40-plus-year veteran of the wars in the area of sports psychology. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the highlights of Mark's career working with athletes from the college level right up to the pros in the NFL. When we come back with Dr. Mark Stevens. Hello, this is Dean, third-generation owner of Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers. We are located near UCLA in the heart of Westwood Village, where we have been since 1946. For 74 years, my family has stood for the highest standards of knowledge and integrity and are proud members of the prestigious American Gem Society. But it is our personal touch that truly makes us a cut above. Client relationships last for decades and generations. With six UCLA alumni, the family has supported UCLA for decades, including the famous Sarah Leonard Jewelers Watch Giveaway. For diamonds and colored gems, designer collections and estate jewelry, watches, custom design, and gorgeous gifts starting under $100, it's all here at Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers. Mention the code GLORY and get 20% off your first purchase, plus a 10% UCLA discount on all future purchases. Call 310-208-3131 today for your appointment or visit us at sarahleonardjewelers.com. Free parking available. Again, call 310-208-3131, use the code GLORY and experience the Sarah Leonard difference for yourself. Life coaching for athletes is here to help. Coach Lucy is a certified life coach focused on working with athlete-minded people in finding and pursuing success in life outside of sports. She serves as an accountability partner and offers different perspectives when her clients are facing big challenges and decisions. 
Follow Resiliency on Instagram at Resiliency, that's R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching for more information. As a co-host of After the Glory, Coach Lucy is excited to share her expertise in working with athletes and looks forward to connecting with all you listeners to learn more of your stories as well. Since 1980, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern has been known as a lawyer's lawyer, passionate about his clients and equally passionate about bringing honor, dignity, and respect to the legal profession. Gary Stern represents folks seriously injured because of healthcare negligence, defective and dangerous products and property, neglect in long-term care facilities, and careless operation of cars and trucks. He has successfully resolved hundreds of cases for his clients, providing them with the financial help they needed during trying times. Gary Stern is a member of the prestigious National Trial Lawyers Top 100, active with consumer attorneys of Los Angeles and California, and is admitted to the bar of the Supreme Court of the United States. And most important, I am proud to call him dad. You can reach Gary Stern at 818-710-2717 or visit his website at www.sternlaw.org. And we're back with Dr. Mark Stevens, uh, a past president of the uh, division out here of the American Psychological Association. Been involved in men's issues since 1981, written a definitive textbook on men and therapy. Uh, Spent much of his career after Ohio State at USC and then at Cal State Northridge and is now a professor of education at Cal State Northridge. Mark, during the course of your career, you became one of the leading figures in the country on men's therapy. I imagine that there is a marriage there between the work you've done with men and uh, and sports psychology. Can you talk a little about that and how that's manifested itself during the course of your career? Sure, Gary. Uh, just to make one correction, you elevated me very highly. I wasn't the president of APA. I was the president of a division of APA, which is Division 51 on Men and Masculinity. And uh, you're right, there's, there's a very good marriage between the work that I do with, with men and masculinity and working with, with male athletes. And oftentimes what I've seen with, with male athletes is that they have to turn a part of themselves off. What they believe is that, that they can really succeed as an elite athlete. So some of the messages that we get as guys about you know being tough, being competitive, beating the other person, no pain, no gain, knock them out, get back up quickly. The kind of drive that many of these male athletes have have served them quite well on the court, on the field. Uh, But sometimes that, if it leads on over into their life, it doesn't serve them quite as well. It doesn't serve them in their relationships. It doesn't serve them off the field when maybe they start to use some of their aggression that they've that they've learned and they get into trouble um, uh, off the field because of some of their aggression. So there there are many times when I've talked with the college athletes, particularly when they've gotten in trouble and then they end up getting referred to me, is to talk about some of the messages that they have received about how they're supposed to be as a guy and really helping them realize that they could be an elite athlete and still be vulnerable off the field. I remember I was working with an elite athlete at at USC, a football player, 
And I don't know if you know this, but, you know, they'll wear a, a certain positions. They wear a shield. They wear a mask and uh, kind of a protective thing. But they they will do it sometimes for this athlete. They thought that wearing this mask that others could not see into them would hide their vulnerability. They would hide their eyes. So, you know, you get trained to look a certain way as an athlete so that you look like you're, you can't be intimidated. And they actually teach you how to look uh, a certain way so that you can be intimidating to the others. But you think about that, isn't all that different than what some of many males grow up in terms of, you know, needing to look tough, needing to be the sturdy oak, needing to look like they've got everything in control when they're scared to death. So you're right that the work that I did in, in, in trying to allow guys to, to be vulnerable, one of the ways that this shows up is oftentimes guys will work with, with will continue, even though they have an injury, and they'll continue and continue and continue until it gets very detrimental to them. Now, one, they're fearful of losing their position, so they don't want to say that they're injured, and they want to get back on the field much quicker than perhaps the doctor may want or the physical therapist may want. So they've learned to sort of discount their pain and just kind of move move through it. And we find out now that there's a big price that these guys pay when they're 30, 40, 50 years old in terms of the repercussions of, of moving too fast on, on injuries and not allowing them to heal properly. We're here with Dr. Mark Stevens, a sports psychologist focused on working with male athletes and helping them identify their masculinity on and off the field. Mark, I had such a pleasure featuring you as the keynote speaker for our Resiliency Summit just a couple weeks ago, and you shine some light on the topic of finding glory after the glory. Before we close out the session, can you just give us a couple of notes on that? And for those who are interested, feel free to go on youtube.com to find the recording of our Resiliency Summit. Uh, and you can check out Dr. Mark Stevens' keynote there, the full 15-minute keynote. But uh, for now, let's get a few notes from you, Mark. Sure. Well, as I was saying before, oftentimes these elite athletes have been getting rounds of applause that are very very loud, perhaps since they've been in junior high. And you kind of get addicted to that kind of attention, and I call that a type of, of glory, is that in that moment, you know, people are coming up to you for an autograph, patting you on the back for the game that you played, and um, kind of seeing you beyond your, your humanness. They, they see you for your performance more than your, your humanness. I, I think about that, you know, what happened if, if teachers or scientists would they get that kind of applause on an ongoing basis, what our world would, would look like, or if you turned on the TV program and say, hey, today we're going to watch this scientist against this scientist compete to see who can get the X, Y, or Z. But that's a side note. So <laughs> the, the podcast that I did was Finding Glory After the Glory. And so that's some of the work that I do with the athletes. The questions that you asked me before is make sure that they think in their humanness. Make sure that they can find their rewards in life that come more internal and not so dependent upon the applause. And so 
training athletes while they're athletes to get ready when the applause is not going to be as loud. Where do you want to be? What do you want your life to look like? Where are you going to get that applause in a different kind of way? And how is that applause going to be both internal and, and external? Mark, um, that is an absolutely beautiful way to end this uh, session of After the Glory because more than anybody I think we've had, you've identified why we're here doing this show and it is to uh, interest both the athlete and the general audience about the challenges of being an elite athlete and the challenges of life after the glory. Dr. Mark Stevens, my lifelong friend, Lucy's new friend, thank you so much for being with us today. And until next time, thank you to our producer, Mark Allen, our recording engineer, the insane Daryl Wayne, and we'll see you next time.